Day 12. Commit to yourself. Every overeater or compulsive eater or unhealthy eater has heard them a million times. The lecture of weight loss. You've got to stick to your diet. Just commit to the process. Stay with it no matter what. Discipline yourself to just do it. And so forth. Yet such lectures only add to your anxiety. If you were able to consistently be there for yourself, you wouldn't be an overeater to begin with. So while overeating would be seen by some as an indulgence of self, it is in fact a profound rejection of self. It is a moment of self-betrayal, self-punishment and anything but a commitment to one's own well-being. Why would you be able to commit to a diet if you're not already consistently committed to yourself? Your relationship to food is a reflection of your relationship to yourself, as is everything in your life. There's no reason to think that you'll be capable of loyalty to a diet unless you address your basic disloyalty towards yourself. Until your fundamental relationship with yourself is healed, then your relationship with food is doomed to be neurotic. As committed as you might be to the process of weight loss, there will always come those moments when your self-hatred rises up like an oceanic force from the bottom of your subconscious mind demanding to assert itself. That's what makes addiction and compulsions so cruel. You could be committed to your diet for 23 hours and 45 minutes during a day, then ruin all your efforts in 15 minutes. What is not self-love carries within it the seeds of self-hate, no matter how small. Wherever the mind is not filled with love, it has a propensity for insanity, and just a tiny bit of sanity is enough to do it. In about as long as it takes to open up a bag of cookies, you find a way to destroy your most cherished dream. This lesson addresses your basic lack of commitment and compassion towards yourself. Your lack of self-care that led to time and time again to punish and betray yourself. Only when you learn to commit to yourself will you stop your self-sabotaging behavior. It's not enough to just tell yourself what not to do. You must learn a new way to think before you can master a new way to be. In the last lesson, you asked others to stand up for you. You got a role model. Whereas with this lesson... You're going to learn to stand up for yourself. All of us wish we'd had perfect childhoods with a mother and father who modeled ideal parental attitudes and taught us to internalize the tenets of self-love. Many of us, however, did not. Perhaps you grew up with no one to model for you that you were truly valuable, that your thoughts were appreciated, that your feelings deserved tending to, or that your worth was deeply appreciated. And whatever was modelled, positive or negative, became the model for your relationship with your adult self. That is simply how adult personas form. If you were neglected as a child, you learned to neglect yourself as an adult. If you were betrayed as a child, you learned to betray yourself as an adult. If no one cared about your feelings as a child, you didn't know how to care for your own feelings once you became an adult. Maybe on some level, your parents weren't there for you, and now, in the moment when you overeat, you simply repeat the pattern by failing to be there for yourself, 
Or your parent or parents might have loved you very much, yet simply lacked the psychological tools to help you build an emotionally healthy relationship with yourself. It's only recently in historical terms that society has even considered the possibility that children have valuable thoughts of their own. Looking back into your childhood isn't about figuring out whom you can blame or building a case to justify feelings of victimization. It's simply about identifying your wounds so the medicine of love can be applied correctly. A way to repair a broken childhood is to allow divine mind to reparent you. As a child who had no choice but to depend on your parents' love and where it was twisted or absent, you suffered accordingly. Yet now you are no longer a child and can redo your childhood by remembering whose child you truly are. As you re-establish the divine connection that was severed by any wounding in your childhood, your mind begins to move away from thoughts that weaken you and instead think towards that strengthen you. You will learn to be there for yourself. And in a moment when you were there for yourself, you simply don't want to behave self-destructively. It won't be so hard to commit to right eating once you've committed to yourself. It will be natural. Appetites that reflect an unloving attitude towards yourself will simply fall away by the wayside, like leaves in autumn when their season is done. This is a recommitment and that you were born with your connection to your true self intact. While this connection might have been broken in your experience, it was never broken in the mind of divine. Your contact with the divine is still there. It is simply no longer conscious and by bringing it back into full awareness, You will reconnect with it exponentially, like a plug that has dropped to the floor. Your mind needs to be plugged back into the socket that provides its true sense of self. Grounded in our divine nature, every human being tends naturally towards connection, creativity and joy because such is the natural flow of the human experience, just as the bud flows naturally into the fullness of a rose blossom. So the difference between you and the rose is that as a human being, you have a choice whether or not to let your blossoming occur. If the rosebud were somehow able to deny the blossom the right to emerge, then what would happen to the energy that would have turned it into a blossom? Is it uncreated? Does it go away? No, because energy cannot be uncreated. When a natural flow of energy is denied, it turns it into a kind of backwards flow or implosion of identity. You are then tempted to misdirect your creative passion. So if you deny yourself your own passion, your own path, your own longing, your own drama, your own life force, your own truth, then you might be tempted to live vicariously through those who allow themselves to theirs. Your creative energy has to go somewhere, even if it is projected onto others. You are tempted to live a life of fantasy if you deny yourself a life of truth. For whatever reason, some people were simply not blocked in childhood the way that you were. They can more easily allow themselves to experience the natural creative drama of their own lives. Think of a person whose life you look at and secretly think, oh, I wish that were my life. Now imagine yourself in preschool with that individual. Use your your inner eye to face the truth here and you will see that at the age of five, 
he or she had nothing on you. You came into this life with the same creative energy and the same divine programming that everyone else has. And you still have it. It's simply backed up, taking anti-expression in the form of excess flesh. But all that can be corrected now. So a valve that has been closed can now be reopened. A habit, and that is all it is. A bad mental habit can be unlearned and replaced by your natural spiritual inclination to go forth into the world and create the good, the true and the beautiful. There is a divine plan by which each and every person's life is programmed for the highest level of creativity and goodness and truth. There are roses and daisies and peonies and violets, all very different, but all very beautiful. Nature sees each of us as expressions of itself and to accept that expression, to honor the natural flow of your own thoughts and feelings, is not just a gift you give yourself, it is your gift to the world. Try to forgive those who in their ignorance sought to block your truth, whether five minutes ago or 40 years ago, and to try to forgive yourself for all those years you have failed to listen to yourself when you grasp excessively for anything in this world. When you do that, you deny what is trying to emerge from deep within you. Failing to experience what is supposed to happen, your own internal communion with self, you are thrown into an awful primordial void. You don't really mean to be grasping for food, You mean to be grasping for divine mind, and there is only one way to do that. You cannot find her except where she lives, and she lives in you. So for this lesson, you will use your journal pages or your journal book, um, and you're going to begin a process by which you learn to support yourself. You want to befriend yourself, commit to yourself. You'll start by learning to dialogue with yourself asking and receiving the truth of what you think and how you feel. And so with every journal entry, you're going to have a conversation with yourself, a conversation that is long overdue. The first thing you're going to do is write from you to yourself. Okay, what are your thoughts? Where are your thoughts at? What are your thoughts to yourself? This question shows that you care what your own thoughts are. You value them. If when you were a child, no one seemed to care what you thought, then you developed a habit of not listening to yourself any more than those around you did. Perhaps you were teased for your beliefs by a parent or a sibling, teaching you to deem your own thoughts valueless. If either of those situations occurred, it would have have severed your connection to self in a most fundamental way. If you don't listen to yourself, you cannot honor yourself. If you don't listen to yourself, you cannot hear your soul's voice within you. If you don't listen to yourself, you program your body to stop listening to itself. And that's the food hell that follows. So in your journal pages, morning and evening, write down your thoughts of the day. Your writing will become a conscious repository for thoughts that you would have formerly discounted. You speak and someone listens. So whatever thought you can remember, whether you consider them significant or routine, write them down and allow yourself to see, review and just bear witness to them all. 
They aren't good or bad, they just are. What is important is that they are yours. Any positive thought obviously needs to be heard by you and any negative thought needs to be heard by you as well to be learned from perhaps and then surrendered for healing. Both thoughts and feelings matter and we will discuss feelings more thoroughly in the next lesson. But what matters now is that you realize that it's right, not wrong to listen to yourself. And the moment you overeat, it's not just that an inappropriate dynamic is present, it's that a healthy dynamic is absent. By learning to build anew the dynamics of a healthy self-regard, the craziness of your compulsion is cut off at the past. The second thing, again, you to self, I forgive you for your mistakes. Okay, so you need to show compassion for yourself as a prerequisite for attracting compassion for others. If you're angry at yourself, then your body will register that negativity. Your body, remember, is a reflection of your thoughts as long as you withhold love from yourself. So your body will appear to withhold love from you if you're withholding love from yourself. If you don't receive much mercy, if you didn't receive much mercy as a child, if mistakes were met with a lack of forgiveness or you were repeatedly told you weren't worthy or good, then overeating is a reenactment, reenactment of the message, you're bad, you're bad. And the fork or spoon with which you overeat is not something um, that you gift yourself, but rather a whip that you punish yourself with. And once you realize what you've done, once you see that you've fallen off the wagon again, then you're thrown into a new cycle of anger. Anger at yourself for overeating. So in your journal pages, again, morning and evening, write down whatever you feel were mistakes and then surrender them. Explore the feelings of both remorse and self-forgiveness. Feel that pain of knowing you've made a mistake but also the relief that comes over your spirit once you've atoned for your error and surrendered it. When you overeat, you show a lack of mercy for yourself. So by reclaiming the compassion that is natural to your true self, you will learn to eat moderately as an expression of self-love. If and when you fall off the wagon, times when despite your efforts you can't resist the urge to eat self-destructively, you'll begin to say, oops, with a light-hearted acceptance rather than a groan of despair. And that will decrease the chances that it will happen again because you will have stopped fueling self-hate with more self-hate. And the third thing you're going to write to yourself is about your dreams. The healthy person is constantly dreaming up the next big big thing from what movie would be fun to watch to who it would be good to call on the phone later to where it would be pleasurable to go for the weekend. But if you don't listen to yourself, then how do you know what you think is the right place to go or the right thing to do? And if you don't know the right thing, then you're prone to doing the wrong thing. And that includes what you eat and don't eat. Someone somewhere didn't listen to your heart and as a consequence, you stop listening to it, to, to not in every area of your life perhaps, but in many areas you might be very functional, even supremely successful at listening to your heart or not listening to your heart, but your subconscious mind 
as is the chosen available tool by which to express the deeper truth of a hidden self-hatred. So the voice of the discounting or belittling growing up, growing up has remained because it has yet to be ushered out. And so as a consequence, you subconsciously follow the dictates of a ghost and you still will punish yourself. You still deny yourself. You still discount yourself. And so it goes. The idea that you can fight such a force by simply sticking to a diet is, is almost silly. So journal about or dialogue with yourself about your true dreams from going to Paris to looking beautiful to writing a book, owning your own business, um, finding true love, having children. Just what are you really longing for? What, you really, what do you really wish to be true for you? And what is your heart's desire? Because if you won't honor it, then who else will? It doesn't matter that your mom or dad or siblings or your teachers or whoever else didn't value your dreams. This journaling process is an important tool, not just for losing weight. Journaling is a way to listen to yourself by making it clear to yourself what you actually think and feel. And the more space you give yourself to express your real thoughts and feelings, the more your wisdom will emerge. So in listening to yourself, you will learn from yourself. In listening deeply to the voice in your own heart, you will establish a relationship with your true self. Start listening to yourself now and you will find that what you hear is the music of your soul. Its sounds will accompany you as you move towards the life and the body that nature intends for you. You're more beautiful than you realize and you're more cherished than you know. So the reflection for this exercise or today um, it, or that accompanies this journaling process is the flow of consciousness to apply to every moment in your life. So instead of asking yourself, what do you think and providing the answer only twice a day in your journaling session, begin to dialogue naturally with yourself throughout the day. Remind yourself in every moment how important it is for you to be in touch with your own thoughts and feelings. From that place, only when you honor deeply enough the thoughts and feelings of others, because if you deny yourself, you'll always deny other people. But by connecting to your own truth, you'll begin to connect more deeply with the truth in others. And experiencing that connection, you'll more easily free yourself from a false connection to food. And at that point, food will become as important as it is meant to be. No more, no less. Please show me how to honor myself. Please teach me how to listen to myself. Please program my mind to know itself that I might at last be free. Show me how to be good to myself that I might know more fully the goodness of life.